Morning, South Shore. How are you doing this morning? Very good. Thank you to the two of you who told me that you were doing good. You should all be doing good. You had an extra hour of sleep. It was great. Although, uh, you know, I was trying to behave and, and get the extra hour and get rested up. I ended up staying up too late, and I woke up too early. I woke up at 5 this morning rather than, you know, the time I wanted to. So anyway, there goes my, there goes my extra time, but nonetheless, I feel good. I feel good. And you're, you're looking good. You're here. Thanks for coming today. Thank you, Blair, for leading us in prayer to the team as well. I just realized I can take this off. It's great. It's a little bit of a production. As you know, I just actually destroyed the microphone. So, all right, here we go. All right, and hello to the people who are watching online as well. We're glad that you're tuning in and checking us out today. If you're watching online at home or wherever you are, good to see you. We're glad that you're uh, checking us out today and hope that you'll be encouraged as well. Well, I love the fact that we can come together and we need to be together encouraging each other. We need to come ready for the Lord to do a work in our lives. Hopefully you can say, yeah, Lord, I'm ready for you to work in my life. I love the fact that when we come hungry, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, here's what the Bible says. God promises this in Psalm 81. He says, open wide, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. What a great promise. That we say, Lord, just feed my soul today and give me more of you. Come hungry is, is what uh, God says. Come hungry and here's what he promises. He's going to fill us. He's got this infinite love and his immeasurable, uh, vast vat of blessings deeper than the ocean that he wants to pour into our lives. And we come as needy people who live in dependence. We come as hungry people. We come as people who are much loved in relationship to our Heavenly Father. And we come to say, Lord, today I have needs, right? This is... Give us this day our daily bread. God, I have needs today, and I want you to fill me. I want you to encourage me. We all come with needs today. Well, we've been learning about prayer over these last number of weeks, and prayer is the way that we receive the blessings that God has for us in Christ. We access them through Christ, through the means of prayer. And we need to be filled up. Again, we need to be filled up with the Word of God. We need to be filled up with the Spirit of God. We need to be filled up because we leak. We leak. Did you fill your tires up recently? The weather's getting a little bit colder, and you... See that your tires are a little soggy, right? you gotta, got to get it filled up again. And now we're filled up, but then we leak, and we need to be filled up again. So we come together, and God fills us up so that we can overflow and be on mission as our Father sends us into this world to love the people that he's calling to himself. This is week three. I'm excited. Week three of our Pray Big series, our seven-week journey into learning how to pray New Testament prayers, and specifically focusing on the Apostle Paul and his heart and his love for the churches. The thing I love about this is we're learning his priorities in prayer. We're learning his practices in prayer. And we're learning the words that, that God gave him so that we can pray ourselves, as we desire to be a church that is devoted to prayer. If you were here last week, you might remember that I said that Spurgeon called prayer the powerhouse of the church. And we need to be a powerhouse of a church because we just need God's power to do what we're called to do. And so we pray. We want to be that kind of people. We learned last week that God opens doors for the gospel and he opens hearts as we pray. And some of you have been praying this week even for relationships. Last week we ended by identifying three people that you are thinking about and praying for and wanting to reach out to to share the gospel with. Maybe you've been doing that. I hope you have. I've been doing my, my walks and praying as well for my, my folks. Well, the final thing I want to say about this is that we're learning to pray because prayer is God's will for us. It's God's will for us. 
First Thessalonians chapter 5 says this. It says, pray without ceasing. Jesus said in Luke chapter 18, he told a parable that we ought always to pray and to never give up. So that's what we want to characterize our, our lives, our church, that we want to be a praying church. So we say with the disciples, Lord, would you teach us to pray? Jesus, teach us to pray. Teach me to pray. I don't know if you've been a believer for two weeks or 22 years or longer, but it doesn't matter. You can pray, Lord, teach me to pray. God, take me deeper in this. The exciting thing is that when we want to pray and learn how to pray, there's no greater place to look to learn how to pray than to pray the scriptures. Some of you read that book this summer, Praying the Bible. I think that's what it was called, right, by Don Whitney. We just pray the word of God. We open the scriptures and we pray what God has already revealed to us in his word. And here this morning, we are going to take a look at the Apostle Paul. It is, as it were, him in his quiet time, on his knees before the Lord, door closed, his heart beating and burning for this church, this group of people that he's never met, and we get to, to pull the curtains back and see him in prayer and hear what he's praying about and hear his priorities that came from the Lord, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and this is what he's praying about. And that's exactly where we're going to go in the Word of God today. These people were his spiritual grandchildren. I don't know if you, any of you are grandparents, but I'm not a grandparent. Uh, hopefully someday I will be. Kids better get married first. Woo, let's go on. Come, come on, kids. Get married. Here we go. Get some grandbabies for the Cross family. That's what we want. But these are Paul's spiritual grandchildren. He knows of them, but he's never met them. And all he knows about them is through his friend, his fellow worker, uh, Epaphras. Epaphras was a guy who was from Colossae. He heard the gospel. He went to his hometown. He was in Ephesus. He heard the gospel. He went back to his hometown. He preached. He shared the gospel. People got saved. The church was started. And that was very cool. Now, when Paul's writing Colossians, he's in prison. Epaphras is with him. And so Epaphras is telling Paul the stories of what's going on in his home church with his people. So these are really Paul's spiritual grandchildren through Epaphras, because Epaphras got saved through Paul's ministry. And Paul was very excited when he heard the report, because these people were in a very good place. It's always good to hear good news. It's always good. But you know what? We don't settle down when things are good. In fact, we ramp it up. You know, you don't put on cruise control and just kind of settle down, close your eyes, and somehow think you're not going to crash. We can't settle. We can't coast. In fact, I was talking to someone this week just about that very thing, that it's easy to settle and it's easy to coast. And you don't just stay at this equilibrium. Typically, if there's no fresh wood on the fire, our fire goes out and the heat dissipates. We need fresh fire. We need fresh wood. We need fresh fuel. We need to keep that, that thing burning, stoked strong. And so Paul said, I love what's happening there. I love what's, what God's doing in your life. But you know what? I want it to be maintained. Plus, I want it to grow. As good as you guys are, as much as God is doing and growing you in maturity, come on, let's keep growing. And we think of these words in 2 Peter 3.18. This is the exhortation. It says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. So God's will for us is to grow and to keep on growing. Like, hey, we're not satisfied. We're thankful, Lord, but we want to keep growing. So what I want you to do right now, let's open our Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Our focus in our text today will be in verses 9 to 14, but we're going to look at the first chapter up to 14 just to get some context. So hear now the word of the Lord. 
Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and growing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Verse 9. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, we're listening on Paul's heartbeat, his prayer for this church. So what was the essence of his prayer? Well, we're going to jump into the text right now, and we're going to discover that as Paul prays, he prays as a pastor for a specific purpose. He prays as a pastor for a specific purpose. Here's what his prayer was all about. Here's the first thing. It was a pastor's prayer. It was a pastor's prayer. And he wanted them to know the will of God. Look at verse 9. So from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Here's what we see, that Paul loved people. He was a bold evangelist. He was a fearless, courageous missionary, but he loved people. He was compassionate. He loved his churches. He went through a lot of stuff. You know, I I suspect at the end of his life, his, his body was pretty beaten up, racked, probably had broken bones, probably had scars, probably had things that didn't work anymore just because of what he'd suffered for being a preacher. But all that he bore physically, he said, wasn't even compared to what he bore on his shoulders, the weight of his love and his care and his concern for the churches. So he was the kind of guy you'd want to be your pastor. He cared about you. He loved you, and he prayed for you. This is the kind of guy he was. He was a good shepherd. And this section begins, and so from the day we heard, from this reason, he said, when we heard about you, we have prayed how? He said, we've prayed unceasingly. It's like, how did this guy do it? He's traveling all over the world. He's going on these missionary journeys, but yet he says, unceasingly we pray for you. And as we've been looking through Colossians these last couple of weeks, we've realized that that sense, that idea of being devoted or being steadfast, the word always, continually, unceasingly, pervades this letter. And he's saying to to the Colossians, he's saying to us today, this is the kind of prayer life you're supposed to have, this devoted, consistent, continual prayer life. And guess what? I'm praying for you, he said. Well, what was he praying for? He's praying for this. Look back at verse 3 at the beginning of the chapter. And I read that so you'd have context. He kind of said the same thing in verse 3. He said, we always thank God, this overflowing gratitude, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. 
and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope that is laid up for you in heaven. Paul was so thankful at what God was doing in this church. Now, churches can have problems and they can have struggles, but we also have seasons where things are going great, where there's lots of fruit on the vine. You know, uh, some of you may have gone to an apple orchard and, uh, you know, you just go to these trees and they're full of apples, whether they're, I don't know what, you get Cortland or you get Max. Max are my favorite. Honeycrisp when I have a little bit extra money because they're expensive, but they're good too. But when you go to the harvest of the apple orchard and you see this great fruit on these apple trees, it's a beautiful thing. It's like, hey, this is good. It's been a good season. And the Colossian church had had a good season. Their faith was deep. Their love was flowing and their hope was very, very real to them. He said, you're doing very well by the grace of God. This encouraged Pastor Paul, and he went to prayer. He went to prayer. And when you're hiking a mountain, and I, I've done this a little bit. I love to, to do a hike. Alex and I did a 5K yesterday. wasn't on a mountain, though. There's not too many mountains around here. Every once in a while, you've got to stop, and you catch your breath. You grab your water bottle, take a little sip, like I'm about to do right now. You maybe unpack a granola bar, and you down it to get some energy. And then in those couple of minutes, what you do is you look back and you just, you look where you've come from. And maybe you've taken quite an elevation and, you know, you've been sweating a little bit and you're, you're a little bit tired, but you're thankful as you look back. But, you know, you've got to keep going because you're not at the summit yet. You've got to press on. You take a deep breath, you make sure your shoes are tied up and you look ahead and you go, we're going there. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul was doing for these people. He was deeply grateful. He was stopping and he was pausing and he was remembering where they'd come from. He knew where they were, but he said, you know what, church? He said, press on because God's calling you to a higher summit. There's more. They were good. They were really good. But Paul had more in store for them as he prayed for them. And I want to say so short today that I'm very thankful as I stand here today and think about your eight years together as a congregation. I'm thankful for your faith in the Lord Jesus. I'm thankful for the love that you have for one another. I'm thankful, Pastor Adam, as you are pressing on us in the last number of weeks to be, have that hope stirred up for us that's waiting for us, waiting for us in Christ. I'm so thankful for all of that, thankful to the grace of God for what he's done. But guess what? There's more. There's more. We're going to go higher. We're going to press in. We want to even be more fruitful. We want to have a faith that's deeper and a love that's greater and a hope that's, that's more real. I hope you want that too. That was the heart of the Apostle Paul for the church. But listen, it wasn't just Paul that was praying for the people. It was somebody else. Look over to chapter 4, verse 12. Colossians 4, 12. Paul was unceasing in his prayers, but there was somebody else too. They didn't just have one, there was two people. Look at 4, 12. Paul writes at the end of his letter, in his greetings, he said, Epaphras, who is one of you, he's, he's your, your guy, he was from your hometown. He's the guy that shared the gospel with you. He's a servant of Christ Jesus, he greets you. Always, listen, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. So what he's about to say is, I'm praying for you like this and it's not just me, it's Epaphras. He's standing with me for you on your behalf. Church, you've got this this team praying for you. And Paul, the spiritual grandfather, Epaphras, their spiritual father, struggling together, laboring in Christ in prayer for this church that they would become all that God had for them to be and to do. And, and I'm just so encouraged when I hear that someone's praying for me. I've got a friend whose name is Mark. Mark is a, a wise mentor. He's a godly man. He speaks into my life. And often he reminds me that he prays for me regularly. Just this week I received an email from a younger leader that, that I've had a chance to walk with. 
And he said this, he said, always text me to let me know how I can pray for you. I will pray with the prayer group tonight. That was on Monday night. He said, stuff gets answered there. I love that, stuff gets answered there. So this, is, this guy is saying, hey, I'm gonna pray for you. So let me know how I can pray. And not only me, but this prayer group is standing with you and praying. I thanked him and I told him a few things that he could pray for. How encouraging it is to know that you've got people that are standing with you in prayer, remembering you. We praise God that we have people who pray. I'm also praising God that we can stand with each other in prayer. God is good, and he answers when we pray. We need it. So, so sure, I want to assure you today that your elders are praying for you. We had a, a prayer meeting last Tuesday night in my living room, and uh, we got together to pray for a season, to pray for the church, its ministries, to pray about our future, to pray for God's work in our midst. But you know what we started with? Blair did up a nice little chart, colored chart. It's you. You're on that chart. Your names are on that chart. It's our community care groups, our shepherding groups. And we began our prayer meeting by praying by name for you, for your families, for your kids, one block at a time. And that's going to be in our hands as we meet monthly to pray. We, we pray more than just that, but that specific time is set aside for this meeting. And I want you to know that your elders are praying for you. I want you to know that Alex and I are praying for you by name. You've got people standing with you that you become all that God has for you. So let us know how we can pray. Well, let's look at what the focus of Paul's prayer was. There was one thing he was praying for. Let's look at it. Look in your Bibles, verse 9. He said this, I'm asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That was the thing he was praying. He says, church, I'm committed to praying for you, and this is the one thing I'm praying for you, that you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. His prayer was that they might have a full insight. They might be filled up with understanding the ways and the purposes of God. It's like glasses, right? Uh, I was in grade 13. Some of you will remember what grade 13 was. It's good if you didn't have to go to grade 13. You got out a year early. But I was in grade 13 in biology class, and I couldn't see the board. So what do you do? You squint, and you move up because you still can't see. I figured out when I was 18 years old that I needed glasses. But as soon as you put on your glasses, you go, this is amazing. I can actually see cars in the parking lot. This is great. Well, God wants us to see by the power of the Holy Spirit with wisdom and understanding what God's will for us is. He wants us to have this spiritual correction so there can be clarity and sharpness in what he wants us to know and understand. He wants us to know his will. And when you think about the will of God, which we all do, a lot. We think about things like, well, what job should I take? Uh, one of our daughters this week was deciding about that very thing. Is God's will for me to take that job or stay with that job? We think about what house should I move into? We think about what job should I take? We think about who should I date? Who should I marry? All these things we say, Lord, I want to know your will, and that's good. That's good because God cares about all of life. He cares about our details. He cares about our concerns. But there are bigger things that concern God's will, let me just say, eternal things, and we should be praying about the stuff of, of like the everyday stuff of our life for sure, but we should be also praying even more about the things that God reveals as the center of his will for us. And when you open up Colossians chapter 1, you see what Paul is praying for. You've come to the epicenter of what God wants for us, church. These are the things that really matter, that really matter, that are going to take us the distance. And Paul says, I want you to understand the will of God. I want you to understand and think Christianly. What does it mean to think Christianly? 
Well, let me suggest that it's to understand life and purpose and calling from God's perspective, to see life as God calls you to see it. It's to see it in order to withstand the pressures, the press of life that tries to, as one translation of the Bible says, squeeze you into its mold so that you can resist that, so that you can be conformed to God's words instead of the world's ways. It comes down to this. What are you chasing after? What are your ambitions in life? I think it was Pastor Adam a number of weeks ago who said to us something to the effect, do not be satisfied with too small a thing. Don't set your bar too low. Don't simply be content to live a comfy life. Uh, Freedom 55 North American life where you get a good education, get a good job, buy a house, meet somebody, get married, have kids, retire, and then life is over. Is not life in Christ much more than that? The answer is yes. How do we understand what life in Christ is all about? Well, we understand through the lens of God's word, brothers and sisters, we were made for so much more, so much more. So Paul says, pray, South Shore, to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Understand, have wisdom how to live. You get one trip around the sun, right? Well, I get I guess lots of trips around the sun, but we get one shot at life. And we want to understand, understand what God's will is. We want to know him. We want to know the will and the word of God. So we want to know, and when Paul is saying here, I want you to know the will of God, he's not just saying no intellectually, no like I know that verse, or no like I understand that doctrine, because that's up here. The sense of what he's getting at here is he says, know it to do it. Hear it, understand it, to obey it. Learn it to walk it out. You see what I'm saying? Not just hearers of the word, but doers. Because knowing and obedience go together. And the, the, when he says about spiritual wisdom and understanding, he's saying this is going to be accomplished, by the way, not because you're really smart, but because the Holy Spirit is working. He said spiritual wisdom and understanding. I don't know about you, but I, I pray every day, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. We need Holy Spirit insight, Holy Spirit understanding and wisdom if we're going to live the kind of way that God wants us to live, which is what Paul was praying for, so that we can walk it out. The challenge for us is if we don't connect doing with knowing, we run into some serious problems. Imagine big head, skinny little legs. Our heads are puffed up with knowledge, but our legs are weak because we're not walking it out. Or our heads are full of knowledge and truth, and we become proud because of all that we know. Or we know lots of stuff, but there's no fruit in our life because we're not living it out. God doesn't want us to be like that. He doesn't want to be puffed up with pride or self-assured. He doesn't want us to be barren. We want to know God's will and do it. We want to walk it out. So Paul says to us, understand the will of God. And how do we do that? We spend time daily reading the word of God, saying, Holy Spirit, impress this upon me. Press it into my life. Help me to understand what your will is. And here's the reason that he prayed that. Here's the reason that they would be, be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Secondly is this. Here's the purpose. The pastor prayed for this one thing for this purpose. Here's the so that. So that. Number two. He prayed a purposeful prayer so that they would live a life fully pleasing to God. That they would live a life fully pleasing to God. That's pretty close to the, the center of why we were made. What is your purpose? Why are you here? <coughs> Well, how does God want me to live? That's a great question we should ask ourselves. We are on a journey, all of us, young and old, 
to find out what pleases the Lord. That's what Ephesians says. Make it your aim to find out what pleases the Lord. Ask yourself the question at 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 60. Lord, what pleases you? God, what is the way that I can live? How can I live in order to live a life that is pleasing to you? And in Colossians, the purpose of his prayer, why he was praying this, was so that they would do that very thing. Look at verse 10. He says, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. It's exciting. I don't know what to do on my own. I don't know how to please the Lord on my own. But Paul says, I'm praying for you that you will understand so that you can do this. Underline that verse in your Bible. It's a good one if you don't have it underlined. There was a missionary who served in China, in India, and in Africa. He was born in the mid to late 1800s. He was from England. His name was Charles Thomas Studd, known as C.T. Studd. He was one of the Cambridge Seven. Rich, influential uh, men, this group of seven. He gave it all up, gave up his fame to serve the Lord as a missionary. And he wrote these lines, maybe you've heard them before. He's famous for these words that he's written. Only one life will soon be passed. You know those? Only what's done for Christ will last. These lines, these two lines are part of a, a much larger poem, a four stanza poem. And in this poem, he's nailing what the Apostle Paul is saying in this chapter. It's as if, I wonder if C.T. Studd was reading Colossians 1 that day, that he felt inspired by the Lord to write this. Here's what the verse says that has those two lines. Listen. He says, Give me, Father, a purpose deep in joy or sorrow, thy word to keep. Faithful and true, whate'er the strife, pleasing thee in my daily life. Can you hear can you hear Colossians 1, 9, and 10 in there? Right? Father, give me this purpose. Help me to please you in, in everything that I do. And then those two lines. Can we say them together? Let's say them together. Here we go. Only one life which will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Just let that sink into your soul. Let that sink into your soul. God, give us a purpose, a deep purpose, wherever we are, whatever age we are, to please you, Lord, because God, only what we do for you is going to last. So Paul's prayer was that they would live life on purpose, to have Holy Spirit power to live life on purpose, to please the Lord in all areas of their life. You see, the gospel is transformative. The sermons you hear, the Bible study that you have, the fellowship that you enjoy is meant to transform you, the scriptures say, from glory to glory by the Lord, the Spirit, who's working in us to change us, to, that word is metamorphosis, metamorphosize us, to transform us, to be more like Jesus Christ. And when you live out the word of God, you take what happens here as we gather, you take your, your personal times of worship and devotion before the Lord, and then you get to go live it out. We talked about that last week, living wisely, living well, speaking well. You get to live a life pleasing to God in all the moments of life. I think it was Matt Redman who said famously, he said, worship is loving God in the details of life. Well, Christian life is loving God in all the things that we do and pleasing him in everything we do, where we go in our relationships and how we work, how we use our money, how we use our time. And we need to be careful because you don't want to sit back. You don't want to coast. Paul said to the church, don't do that. I'm not going to let you coast. I'm going to be praying for you. Because the devil is whispering in our ear, just chill out. Don't be so radical about this faith thing. Don't, don't be like that. Those people are crazy. And the devil just wants us to kind of settle in and 
settle down and settle and just say, you know what, I'm okay. I'm, I've come far enough. But you know what, brothers and sisters, let me just tell you, let me exhort you, encourage you in all that you do, in all that you say, in all you think, in your attitudes. We want to apply it and say, Lord, how can I please you now? How can I please you today? How can I walk, Lord, in a manner that's worthy of you, Jesus, to give you all the praise and the glory? Because, God, I only have one life. And this very breath that I enjoy and the heartbeat that's, that's happening in my chest is from you, and I want to give it back to you. So maybe you're thinking today, Jody, you're telling me that God wants me to live this kind of life, a life that's worthy of the Lord. It sounds like a pretty high calling. It sounds like a high standard. Yep, it is. It's exactly what the Word of God is saying. Put another way, here's what the Bible says all the time, it's about a life of holiness. It's about a life of holiness. And Paul writes in Ephesians, he says, put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness. And what does he say at the end? Say it with me. And holiness. He's saying, put off the old Put on the new, be clothed in the new, and press on, created to be living like Jesus, like God in true righteousness and holiness. This is the kind of life that pleases the Lord. This is our aspiration. This is our goal. This is our target. So how do we do this? Well, we do it when our minds are renewed by the word of God as the spirit of God is using the living word to transform us and change us, to start a fire within us. God requires it, but he enables it as well. So we can be encouraged that we can do this. This was the purpose of his prayer, by God's grace, to know his will so that we could live fully pleasing to the Lord. The next thing that he does, he gives us four characteristics of a life that's evidencing this growth of living pleasing to the Lord. That's the third thing. Paul prays a practical prayer. He prays a practical prayer. And the first thing he says in verse 10, he says, I want you to be bearing fruit. I want you to be bearing fruit. Look at verse 10. So he says, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work. If you've ever done gardening, you're thrilled when you see your plants doing well. So we did some beans this summer, and my bean plants did well. They were full of beans. Some yellow beans, those are my favorite. But a couple of bean plants over from this one that was doing well was this little scrawny one. It was about one-third the size of the other ones. I didn't actually have to check if there was anything growing because there was no leaves on it, hardly. It was like one little scrawny yellow bean. So I'm thinking to myself, why did that one do so great? And that one was like awful. It was like, kind of like, I think it's time. You're done, you know, pluck it up and we're done with that one. Well, fruitfulness is the mark of a saved person. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, he says, so every healthy tree bears good fruit. Every healthy tree bears good fruit. Healthy things bear fruit. Healthy things grow. And God is looking for fruit in our lives that will show the evidence of his work and power. When we're healthy, when we're in a growing relationship with Jesus, abiding in him, we're going to bear fruit. The fruit of our lips, the fruit of our life. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5 that there's going to be fruit. The fruit of the Spirit, as you probably have heard of those phrases, that phrase, the love that's evidenced, the the peace that's displayed, the joy that overflows, the patience in difficult times. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's the fruit in our lives. We're going to see fruit of praise. We speak God's praise. We pray thanksgiving. We sing of his glory in worship. There's the fruit of our lips. There's the fruit of our life. 
is the fruit of souls as God gives us opportunity to share the gospel. What the Lord is telling us today is that as we abide in him, as people are praying for us, as we're praying to know God's purpose, his will for us, we're going to be people who bear fruit. The gospel we saw in the early part of this chapter was bearing fruit as it was going through all the world. The gospel alive was changing lives, was changing cities. And that's the same gospel 2,000 years later that's burning in our chests, that's at, at work in us as we read and know the word of God. So we would pray along with the Apostle Paul, Lord, help me to bear fruit for your glory. That's the first characteristic. Here's the second one. Verse 10 also. Growing in the knowledge of God, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. He said, I want you to grow as you learn to get to know God better and better. There's a depth to us. Sometimes I pray, Lord, help me to live till I'm 100 because I have so much more I need to learn and so much more I need to grow. I'm thankful for God's work in my life, growing me deeper, growing us deeper. We grow, Paul's saying, as the result of knowing God more and more. Not just a head knowledge, but an experiential knowledge, this, this personal, intimate knowledge. Think about someone like Mother Teresa. She was an Albanian who spent much of her life living in India, serving orphans and the dying. And you probably know somewhat about her. Maybe you've seen her picture Maybe your, your heart resonates with the work of mercy she, she's done, but you know about her, but maybe I suspect none of us know her in a personal way. But if you ever had a chance to travel to India and be in the place that she was, in the rescue mission that she set up, sat down and worked with her and had a meal with her, you could say to someone, I, I know Mother Teresa, I know her personally. And we can know about God. But we can also, as believers in Jesus Christ, by his spirit, he lives in us. We are to know him deeply, personally, and intimately, and grow in the relationship with God through Christ. Here's what Hebrews chapter 1 says. He's the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. We get to know our Father, our God, through his, through his Son, Jesus, through his spirit that's in us, as the word of God reveals that. And A.W. Tozer, who wrote a book called The Pursuit of God and the Knowledge of the Holy, says this. The heaviest obligation lying upon the church, the Christian church today, is to purify and elevate her concept of God until it is once more worthy of him. In other words, he's saying we want to have big thoughts, high thoughts, lofty thoughts, and to know this God as he is. Because in knowing God, we're going to be changed and we're going to grow. Packer said something very helpful as well. G.I. Packer was a, a theologian who lived uh, the last number of years of his life in, in Vancouver. J.I. Packer wrote this very helpfully. He said, once you become aware that the main business that you are here for is to know God, most of life problems fall into place of their own accord. In other words, get this thing right, and a lot of other stuff will take care of itself. Get to know God. Get to know God deeper. And so we pray along with the heart of Paul. Lord, help me to grow as I learn to know you more and more. Here's the third thing. He said in verse 11, he wants us to endure patiently in trials. This is the third characteristic he prays for those who would evidence a life of walking worthy of the Lord. A life of knowing God and his will results in patiently enduring trials. Well, here's the great news. God has an infinite store of help, amazing limitless power for us as we go through times of suffering. I've been there. Probably there's few people in this room who have 
not endured difficult times, difficult suffering. And we're going to need God's power to persevere if we're going to do God's will when times get tough. So this is what he wrote in verse 11. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. If you're in that place right now that's tough, if you feel like I'm in a deep hole and a dark spot and I'm weary, you need to hear that again. And literally what this verse means is this, and it's great. Strengthened with all strength according to the power of his glory. Paul is saying, I want you to to understand that you need to be strengthened with his strength according to the power of his glory. God's going to give you the strength that he wants to put in your life that's resurrection power. Your strength is going to be his strength that's resurrection power strength. That's what God gives to us in our trials, in our difficulties, when things are hard. And we all go through difficult times. We're not going to escape suffering in life. And how many of us know what's ahead? We don't. We don't. Here's what we do know. Jesus said, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. It's good. Some of you need to hear that today. Things are tough. He said, I want you to have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, Jesus said, I have overcome the world. His power in us is great. And the grace of God in our hearts is the power of God. He gives us the ability. He gives us the power to bear patiently these tests and these trials, these burdens through his power. And so we pray, Lord, give me the power. Give me your power so that I can joyfully and patiently endure. Brothers and sisters, we have an amazing gift in the word of God. We have Paul at prayer praying for these things. I hope you've understood it today. And we have a big calling this morning to live it out. We have a big calling to live to the glory of God, and that excites me. And God's given us the means that we can do that. We can't do it in our own strength, but we can do it by his Holy Spirit working in us. We need the spiritual knowledge of God's will if we're going to do that, if we're going to live a life fully pleasing to the Lord. And we need spiritual power if we're going to walk it out. Let's grab a hold of this purpose. Let's grab a hold of these things that will evidence what God wants us to be. This was prayer's constant, excuse me, this was Paul's constant prayer for his the believers in Colossae. This is what we need to pray for ourselves and for one another. I thought today that as we close this message and bring the sermon to an end, that we would actually pray this very prayer that Paul prayed. Maybe you've never prayed this prayer before. Maybe this is maybe the first time you've even seen it. So I'm going to invite you to stand. Let's do that right now. And I've taken this prayer. I've just kind of changed a couple of the words so that we can make it our own. We can pray it for ourselves. As you're praying it for yourself, we're going to pray it for ourselves as a church. That God would do the very thing in us that 2,000 years ago Paul was praying for the church. A prayer that God had inspired him to write, inspired him to pray, and that God was fulfilling in the life of the believers. So let's pray this together. Say it out loud with me. God, our Father, we ask that you would fill us with the knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of you, Lord, fully pleasing to you, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of you, being strengthened with all power according to your glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen.